Careless in the Care of God, Episode 11. I'm a horrible failure. Finally, some relief. This is from Chapter 4. This is the start of Chapter 4. I had the opportunity a few years ago to write a narrative for our Christmas Eve services. So I took a crack at kind of trying to craft what I thought about the Christmas story and the value of the conversation surrounding Jesus and his birth And what does that actually mean in terms of my life and relationship to it? So this is an excerpt from that uh, narrative. This is kind of the the whole narrative from that Christmas Eve video. It's also the start of chapter four. So here's that snippet. So this is how it starts. Darkness that God could breathe the stars into that would later guide Wiseman to his human heartbeat. But first, waiting, and painfulness, and a journey that no one ever feels at home in. Lost somewhere between here and there, where struggles always nip at your heels, where broken hearts and frustrations sit just underneath the surface of everyday living. So this is where it starts. So many promises, and so much waiting. And then an odd story of a young woman and God's favor and the word becoming flesh, strangeness. But it's a story for a time such as those, and for times like these, times when our earthly solutions are stumbling, when empires and superpowers seem to be wandering, when politicians have few answers, when darkness seems to be closing in around everything, when shouting about our rightness is everywhere, even while those that shout the loudest live in the lurking shadows of the wrong. When evil is the only headline, and when people in the margins are hurting and broken and at the end of their ropes. But a voice starts calling out. When you're at the end of the rope, it's just where God wants you. This man who was born in obscurity, the God-man, the Word in flesh, says he's come to save us from the collapsing world around us. He holds out his hands and says to society's worst offenders, if you're broken and wounded, I'm here for you. If you're a mess and your life is on the edge, come as you are and I'll write forgiveness on your life even while your accusers stand ready with their stones. I will transcend your earthly trials and troubles. I am your redeemer. I am a friend to sinners. I'm your friend, sinner. I'm all these things because I am. On that mysterious night in a forgotten suburb of the city of the most powerful, a town on the wrong side of the tracks, comes a cry of a baby that in time would start to speak hope to people, to you, and to me, the voice that would challenge the empires, call to account the authorities. It's a voice that will flummox the religious men in their robes and frustrate those now in their suits. It will breathe breath into the lifeless and hold close the ones who have lost all hope that God has any interest in them. So he came for us in our frenzied seasons 
in our tired pursuits to buy back all the darkness and trouble we've bought that society sells us, to show those that he created his love is all that matters, that no cleaning up, fixing up, living up, or showing up can change his love for the ones he made. That little cry in a manger made of wood became a cry from shoulders full of splinters that were hung on a cross. It's a cry that would break the barrier between God and man completely. He came for the broken person on the side of the road who's been crushed by the weight of this heavy world. He came for the person who the theologians have passed over, for the one who the righteous hypocrites have looked right past. He does not walk past. He does not ignore us for how we look or act. He knows that this world has hurt us, and so he stops on the side of the road and puts us on his back to heal us. This chapter ultimately ends up being a lot about uh, depression and sadness in the Christian experience. Um, just because we're Christians doesn't necessarily mean we don't experience certain things like depression and sadness and frustrations and heartache. And I think it's why I wrote this about the Christmas story. It's kind of a interesting take on the Christmas story. It's not something that you normally would think of. Some of these lines about darkness and struggles and frustrations and the hurt of people isn't necessarily um, the same imagery we have about Christmas often, but I, I feel like it's an important element of what it means that God would come to redeem us. It doesn't mean that he's come to fix us in terms of our ability to feel things or be in a, in depression or hurting about the fact that we are failures at certain things, whether we judge ourselves about our own performance here on earth. I, think a lot of times that's how I have looked at life, but I do believe very much that this idea that God interject, interjected himself into history, into a particular space and said, from here on, things will be different in terms of the relationship and redemption that he offers can have a profound impact on how we view the world and how we view our relationship to it in terms of uh, how we see things happening or what we judge of ourselves or what we judge of others. I think God came in a moment in history to say, this is the moment that this has the opportunity to change. It doesn't necessarily mean that it'll take away pain or frustration or hurt. Um, this chapter that's coming up, there's a lot of hurt in it. There's conversations about my own depth of darkness. And I relate that to a friend of mine who had, a terrible darkness that ultimately ended up chasing him down and um, and he took his life at, at because of his own assumptions about his failures. And so I, I think it's important to go to that space when we talk about Christianity to say stuff about um, he came for us in our frenzied seasons, in our tired pursuits, to, to buy back all the darkness and trouble we've bought that society sells us constantly up against that conversation. I think we're up against this world that says we should live this way, think this way and perform this way. And oftentimes that's really antithetical to how God sees things or how he wants to interject in the space in our own life and heart. And my hope in this chapter is that as we go through it, there's some, there is some hope and buying into the idea that even though we have these dark places and we have this frustration, the, the Christian life isn't necessarily about 
moving outside of that to some sort of um, shaped mold looking type of person. We're not necessarily looking to be someone in particular. We're not necessarily looking for life to be particularly happy or frust- or less frustrating. I think as the, as a Christian, we look at it and say our hope is somewhere else and our job and responsibilities here on earth are to dive into that place of depth and darkness and to bring Jesus into it in our own lives and into the lives of others. And, um, so that's, that will be what this chapter is about. I hope that there's some encouragement in it. I hope that, uh, as we go through it, you'll find that this wrestling match that I had in my own life about depression and, and sadness and darkness and, uh, and watching a friend go through that same thing, that there's some opportunity in that for people to relate to it and to know that, um, just because we assign and associate ourselves as believers doesn't necessarily mean that we've detached ourselves from the things that happen to us in this world and that we can't be sad when someone, when we lose a friend or we can't be frustrated when our business doesn't work, or we can't be angry when our spouse or our kids hurt us. Um, All of those things are available for us in the, in this life. Christianity offers something a little bit outside of that to say that there is something that will replace that hurt and frustration with hope. So thanks for listening tonight and uh, we will be back with another episode later in the week.